0: Or you can find us at our website, MedoraChurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. God's still able. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. Paul writes to a group, a church at Ephesus, and he says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he should grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Somebody say, I need that. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Somebody say, I need that. I need that. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout ages, world without end. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, for how you move in our world, how you move in our lives. It doesn't matter to the chaos that may be around us, there's peace, Lord, within It doesn't matter how bad the situation, God, you keep us, God, in that situation. And, Lord, you give us victory over that. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Let everybody say amen. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated in the house of the Lord. In the Word of God, Paul writes letters to churches. He writes letters to the Romans. He wrote a letter to the Corinthians. matter of fact, wrote two to the Corinthians and and to the church at Galatia. That's why we call it Galatians. And we call it Ephesians because it is written to the church at Ephesus. Ephesus at this time was the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire. It was situated on the mouth of the Castor River on the Aegean Sea in the region of Iona. It is a great trade city at the time, and it is known as the gateway to the east. It was also known to be the home of the temple of the goddess Diana. The the fertility deity is known as the temple of the goddess Diana. No deity of that day was as sought after as Diana in the pagan world. People traveled all over the Mediterranean world to worship at the temple of Diana, a temple four times the size of the Parthenon in Athens. Uh, the city gained its wealth and power on travelers of worship that came to these pagan temples, and 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 supplied uh, inns had to be there, and restaurants, and shops, and banks. Uh, uh, they were all getting wealthy on the idol worship and the travelers of the idol worship. So, since Diana was the uh, the patron of, of sexual instinct, uh, prostitutes sold their bodies without condemnation in a city called Ephesus. So the church in this city of Ephesus was not in the middle of the Bible Belt. You know, they call down south in the area, uh, down south around... Uh, 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 Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, they call that area the Bible Belt. Uh, amen. Indiana would be considered the Bible Belt compared to the area of Ephesus. Uh, But Ephesus was the hotbed of idolatry, of wickedness and sin. It was was very much going on at the time. No wonder Paul said, I'm praying that you understand that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. He said, I want you to remember that you need that power. Like like our church here at MPC, like our church here, to really know what Medora Pentecostal Church is about, you need to know a little bit about our history. You need to know about where we came from. You need to understand that we were birthed in 1914 in a flaming revival. You need to understand that in the subsequent years, revival fires were burning. Well, in the book of Acts, it tells us the story of how the church at Ephesus came to being. You will find in Acts chapter 19 and verse 1, we'll pick up the story, how that Paul came to the city of Ephesus. Look at verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And and he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? It's interesting that he doesn't just answer their question. He goes back to the importance of water baptism. Under what were you baptized? And they said, Under John's baptism, speaking of John the Baptist. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when these disciples heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. What do we see is the beginning here of uh, what we see is the beginning of the church at Ephesus. There were people there who were believers They were believers. They were disciples of John. Amen. And they were living under a pagan influence of the culture of Ephesus. They believed. Everybody said they believed. They had been water baptized under John the Baptist doctrine. They had then repented because John preached repentance, change your mind, live for Jehovah, get right. They had faith because they could not repent without faith, but they needed more. They needed to understand why John came. John came to preach that more is coming, Christ is coming. John the Baptist said that Jesus would be the one that would come and baptize people with the Holy Ghost in John 1.33. Evidently they hadn't been that close to John's teaching or they would have heard that John said there's one coming to fill you with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But they hadn't heard that yet. Amen. So when they begin to hear the message that Paul is preaching about the, the, the message of Jesus Christ and why Christ came, they were rebaptized or baptized correctly in water in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. That's something that we need to know. It matters that you are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of sins and then they believed but they had not yet received the baptism of the holy spirit that teaches us that people can believe but have not yet received the holy ghost so when you believe you do you receive god's God's love, you receive God's presence, but you do not receive the baptism of His Spirit. There is a distinction between believing and receiving. They are not exactly the same thing. The baptism of the Holy Spirit can come upon you when you believe, but sometimes there are those who believe have yet to receive what they need, and that's the power of God. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 8 when we continue on in this story we find that Paul then goes to the synagogue, the Hebrew synagogue and he preached boldly the word of God. He reasons with them and persuades them about things concerning the kingdom and many of them begin to believe and then some got mad. How many know that's the way it works? Some believe and some get mad, some receive and some don't. Even Jesus had those that walked away and shook their head and did not believe what he said. Some believe and some begin to speak evil of the way. They begin to talk evil of them of the way. They were stubborn and unbelieving. So Paul withdraws his, his, his revival, if you please, from the synagogue and goes to the hall known of Tyrannus and begins to proclaim there. Look at verse 10 in Acts chapter 9. Are you all okay with a little history? It'll help you understand what Ephesus is talking about. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 10. And this continued him teaching in Tyrannus for a space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now, how did that happen? It happened over a space of two years without any radio, without any television, without any social media, without any print press going off quickly... But by word of mouth and by new converts being new disciples, it begins to spread. When you get a hold of Jesus and Jesus gets a hold of you and Jesus changes your life, the next thing you want to do is you want to tell everybody about what the Lord has done. And so the word spread both among the Jews and the Greeks. But look at this verse 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were bought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the disease departed from them and evil spirits went out of them. This is where we get the faith custom of anointing a prayer cloth and praying for people and they take it home. Amen. I want to tell you I've seen many miracles that have happened because of somebody believing and it's not the cloth, it's not the oil, it is the prayer that moves God and in his Power that does the work. So here they are in Ephesus. Revival's breaking out. The church is getting started. Revival fires are burning. The power of God is moving. The people are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Demons are being cast out. Sick folk are being healed. And the word of God is being proclaimed boldly and it is doing the work. And somewhere on the corner is a professional exorcist family. A professional exorcist Family, the Bible calls them vagabond, travelers. Look at verse 13 as we pick up the reading. Then certain of the vagabond Jews exorcists took upon them. Look at that line. Took upon them. Took upon their power. Took upon their experience. And called over them that had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying... We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of Siva and a Jew and chief of the priests which did so. And the evil spirits answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house uh, naked and wounded. That is a bad story, right there. These wandering exorcists for hire misunderstood the power, they thought the power was in a formula. They thought the power was in some kind of a concept that Paul was preaching. But what they didn't understand is that Paul preached, be filled with the Holy Spirit, be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and then the power of God comes in you. Amen. It became very well known according to verse 17 that the, all the Jews and the Greeks that dwell in Ephesus, amen, fear fell on them and the name of the Lord was magnified. I want to tell you God has a way of turning failure into victory. God has a way of turning a, a mistake into a miracle. God has a way of changing things. The seven sons of Siva attempted to be victorious in the flesh and failed. Amen. But God said, I'm not going to let that die down. I'm going to see that that something powerful comes of that. Look at verse 18. And many that believe came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also uh, used curious arts, brought their books and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them. And it found it fifty thousand pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of the of God and prevailed. You know what happened? Out of the sons of Siva, not understanding power, conviction fell on that city, and people went and got their 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 witchcraft books and and got their. Uh, books of, of occults and mysticism and they brought them In that day books were so expensive and they didn't sell them they didn't hand them out they burned them up. Yeah. Who told them to do that? The power of the Spirit. Amen. The conviction that was moving on their heart. Amen. I've told the story here but let me tell you again when my my great uncle received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. He was a drunk and he went home. He was not only, uh, he w- he was a moonshiner. That was back near in Prohibition days. And so he made his own and sold it. And you know what he did? He didn't sell his steel. He went and tore it up. He didn't sell his product. He poured every last bit of it out. I want to tell you today, if you'll live for God with all your heart, hey amen, you're going to be willing to say that has got to go. Those things that are anti-Christ, those things that have me bound, I'm not only going to just kind of separate myself from it, I am going to rid myself of it. That's the power of God that was moving in Ephesus. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. In in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, the apostle Paul is praying that the church would be strengthened with might by the Spirit in the inner man. Why? They are in the hotbed mess of a pagan culture. They're in a mess of of, of idolatry and wickedness that is everywhere. But he also climaxed with this prayer. Amen. That You ought to know that he is able, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. In our, pes- in our passage and in our text, uh, there are four things that you and I must have today in a pagan culture. Amen. Four things we must have. Number one, supernatural strength. Supernatural strength. He said, be strengthened with might by His Spirit Not by my power, not by my intellect, but by His Spirit in the inner man. Hallelujah. Jesus said in John 15 and 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. You can do nothing. Hallelujah. I want to tell you today, He's not just an add-on. He's got to be our source. He's not just my spare tire. He's the engine. He is the power. He's the fuel. He's driving my life. He must be my source. My absolute source. For he said to the early church, you're going to receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You're going to receive power. The power. Notice he said, Paul said in that statement in Ephesians, he said, be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man according to to His riches, to, according to the riches of His glory. Christ went to glory and returned in the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit to empower us, to dwell in us, that we would be granted authority and power according to the riches of His glory. Warren Weersby, in his commentary on this verse, examined it and explained it this way. How marvelous... That God does not give the Spirit's power to us out of His riches. But rather according to His riches. Which is a far greater thing. If I am a billionaire and I give you $10, I have given you out of my riches. But if I give you a million dollars, I have given you according to my riches. This first is a proportion... The, second, uh, the first is a portion. The second is a proportion. God wants us to understand, brothers and sisters, that he's not come to just give us a little power, just to barely get by, to skimp, to just think I can get through the next day, just want to live on, on a thin uh, 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 belief. But he said, I'm going to give you according to my riches. Whatever you need, I have. That's what the Lord is saying today. Whatever you need in your situation, I've got the bank to cover it. Oh, I've got got what you need. I have the power. I've come to remind you tonight that God is not just able. He's still able. He wasn't just able in the Old Testament. He's still able today. He wasn't just able in the New Testament. He's still able today. His power is limitless. And He desires that we operate in that supply. So the first thing you and I need is that we need supernatural strength. How many can attest That in 2022, you need supernatural strength. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just thank Him right now for that. Lord, I claim supernatural strength in my situations, in my life. Lord, in my trials, in my health, in my finances, in my mind. I need supernatural strength of your power and your spirit. Hallelujah the next thing that we're going to need to have in living in an Ephesus-type culture of paganism is, is we're going to need spiritual depth. Everybody say, spiritual depth. spiritual depth. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith being rooted and grounded in love. Hallelujah. That, that, that Christ may dwell in your heart. That means settled, go deep, rooted, down deep inside of us. Not merely a guest, Not merely just a part, but let's be spiritual. Let's take our root system and dig deep into the Word of God. Dig deep in the power of His Spirit. And say, Lord, I don't want to just have a surface relationship with You. I want an intimate relationship with You. I don't want to just barely be just a, you know, just going to church is not going to cut it. When you live in a place like Ephesus or you live in a place like modern America, just going to church is not going to cut it. It's not going to get you through, but going deeper in God will. Look at Jeremiah 17 and 5. Thus saith the Lord God, Cursed be the man that trusteth, trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm or his authority, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the, uh, the, the heath in the desert and shall not see when good come but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land not in happening. When you trust in flesh, when you trust in the things of this world, it's not going to go very deep. But he said, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth forth their roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaves shall be green, amen, and shall be careful in the year of drought, neither shall shall cease from yielding fruit to, oh God, let my root go deep in you. Let my root systems go deep in you. I need spiritual depth. Spiritual depth. Grounded. Grounded in Him. The first stage of Paul's prayer was that the church be empowered with su- supernatural power. The second is a request for spiritual depth. The power comes from us, uh, from God. The spiritual depth comes from our desire. The third thing that he's praying for, he says, that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. The third thing we need is spiritual comprehension. We need to get it. We need to get it. Somebody say get it. Comprehend means to lay hold of, amen, to grasp, to seize upon, to take possession of. The word comprehend and the word apprehend both stem from the Latin word which means to grasp, amen. We say that a monkey has an an apprehensile tail, that is the tail is able to grasp a tree limb and hold on, but the word comprehend carries the idea of not just mentally grasping something, amen, but holding on to it. Not just getting it and releasing it, but hold on. Can I tell somebody you need to hold on to the riches of God? Understand what His link. He'll He'll bring you through. Somebody say I made I made I made I made it through COVID. They said it's gonna be another whatever branch, what do they call them? Variant, variant. they're gonna be another variant. Well, number three, bring it on. Number four, bring it on. I think it's much of malarkey, but that's just Tim Gill chapter three, verse two. But I want to tell you, I, I've come to realize that if he brought me through yesterday, he'll bring me through today, and he'll bring me through tomorrow. I've come to an understanding that I can get a grip on the power of God, on the strength of God. I'm in spiritual depth with Christ. I can hold on and say I can do all things through Christ with in me because my faith has grasped the greater dimension of God's love. I begin to say he loves me so much. Hallelujah. What is his breadth? What is his length? What is his height? What is his depth? Amen. How many of you tell your children or your grandchildren, I love you big as a truck. I love you you from the the ground to the sky, from here to the moon. I love you." you. You try to put it into a dimension. Anybody besides us do that? hand. you told your your child, I love you as big as a Mack truck, or I love you as big as as, as a building, or I love you as big as a barn, or I love you as big as a, you know, whatever that case may be? Well, when you begin to study what the Lord has for us, He loved us this much. He loved us this much. He hung on a cross and died for us that we could be free. Where do we find the love of God? At a hill called Calvary where He took our place. All of our mess ups, all of our sins, all of that we have done, He died for that. He paid the penalty. Amen. And so He can forgive us of our sins. I want to tell you when I say I know the breadth of God's love is that I'm speaking to what He did in my life. I can't tell about you, but I can tell about me. Where He brought me from and how He brought me out and how He's healed my body and how He's touched my mind and how He's blessed my family And how he's been good to me. I'm learning every day. What is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height of the love of Christ. Amen. No matter the pandemic. No matter the problem. No matter the issue. There is a God that loves me. Let me understand that every day. Let me understand that every day. Oh, would to God our world understood the love of God. Oh, that they would understand the love of God. Then the fourth thing he said, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. God wants you to be complete in him. He wants your life to feel full. Not, you know, we want to be filled full in the fullness of a relationship. If you're not full, single, single, you won't be full married. But if you learn to be full single, when you get married, you'll learn to be full married. Because the fullness is not in the relationship of a person. Oh, they completely complete me. Well, that's a romantic statement, but it's not the truth. I'm sorry to bust your bubble. He completes me. I'm complete in him. Hallelujah. I can't have a, a good relationship with my wife until I'm completing him. Otherwise, my expectation is that she completes me and she fulfills all my... I didn't mean to get on marriage here today, but I wanted to tell you that there is a fullness of God that will satisfy every inch. Amen. For fullness means to the top. Amen. Nothing shall be wanting measured, it, it's at the brim and running over. Those who operate under the power of the Spirit, under the God who is still able, are getting their depth of revelation in Him. And so they they, they comprehend, they apprehend, they grab a hold, they go deep, and they receive the fullness of God. Hallelujah. How do I understand that He is the Alpha and Omega? I know that he is my first and the last. I know that he is my beginning and the ending. Hallelujah. Paul said that in, in, in Colossians 2, he said, For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him. Hallelujah. You're complete in who? In Jesus. You're complete. Stop church, searching everywhere for completeness and fulfillment. Amen. That new possession won't fulfill you. That new relationship won't fulfill you. But there's one that said, I will complete you. I will complete you. That's the power of a God who is still able. I want to point you back to our beginning text in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 and 21. Praise God. Guys, y'all are doing great on the sound tonight. Thank you. I appreciate that. Give our sound people a great big hand, our media people. Thank you. Thank you. Now to him that is able. Somebody say able. Able, able is the verb dunamai or dunamai he, however you pronounce it. That means have power, whether by virtue of one's own ability or resources. To be able to do something, to be capable, to be strong and powerful. Now unto him that is able, he has the ability. Okay, write your request in. Write your request in. He's able. Write your need in. He's able. And we're going to get to something that that shows that here in just a minute. Now unto him that has the capacity, the resources. He is sufficient in himself. God doesn't have to go shopping for what you need. He has it in himself. He does not have to go and find some other authority. He, is, he has it in himself. He is sufficient in himself. Amen. Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. Those are actually one Greek word. Exceeding abundantly is capsulized in one Greek word, which means an exceeding measure, something above the ordinary. That will make you shout right there. It's, it's something above the ordinary. God talks about an abundance of grace. It's above the ordinary. Or abundance of joy. It's above the ordinary. God is able to do. He has the resources. He has the ability to do not just a little, but abundantly. Abundantly, abundantly. How many that have you have you experienced in your life? There are those that are sitting in these chairs tonight that you have been through some very deep waters, and God not just didn't bring you through barely; He brought you through abundantly. He didn't bring you through just just minorly, but He brought you through abundantly. How I think you ought to stop and thank God that He brought you through abundantly. Your marriage was over, but God brought you through abundantly. You had issues in your life, but God brought you through abundantly. You, had, you were raised up with generational curses that your mom and dad was such and such. and But, but God brought you through abundantly. And he said, A cor- uh, he's, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We ask. And I've always looked at this. As being prayer and it is that's true that's a true way of looking at it. but when I was studying this today it come to me something different. what do we usually do when we say we ask something? It's a question. Are you English scholars with me? We ask questions and I see this brother Mike from a different perspective God's able. When I ask Him any questions, God is able, no matter what my question is, your fear does not trouble God. Your grief does not trouble God. Your questions and perplexity about life and why you're, why you're this and why this happened to him does not trouble God. Hallelujah, bring it to Him. Bring it to him. Whatever you're able to ask. When you come and say, I'm bringing to you, Lord Jesus, this question. I don't understand why this is happening. I need this and I've got to have that, Lord. And he's not just twiddling his thumb and nervous and and, and panting and biting his nails because you've got a question or you've got a problem or you've got an issue. Because he is able. He is able. He's got it. He's got it, whatever it is that you need. Hallelujah. God's still able. Doesn't matter what the question, God is able. Doesn't matter what the craving, God is able. Doesn't matter what the desire, God is able. If it fits in his will, he's got it. Then he said, we ask or think. It is interesting when you begin to study the Greek, you find that Greek has, has tenses and, and senses behind it. Here's the sense according to uh, 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 the Logos Bible uh, <coughs> program that I study with. Here's the sense. To think means to imagine, to form a mental image of something that is not present or that is not the case. To perceive with the mind, to understand, to have understanding, to think upon. So when we ask, we're asking what we see and what we know. But when you think, it's beyond the boundaries of what you see and what you know. Somebody say faith. Faith kicks in to the point that God said, I don't care what you ask me, and I don't care what you conceive in your mind. I am able. I don't care whether it's there in front of you or not in front of you. I am able. I don't care if you think that you can feel it or taste it or touch it. Amen. He is able to help in the hour of need. Then he said, according to the power." This is the noun form of the verb form of able early on in our our verse here. It It is the noun form of dunamis, Dunamis, which means strength, ability, and air power, it speaks of when Paul writes about dunamis, he's talking about the divine force of God. He's talking about the divine capacity of God. He's talking about the divine ability of God. And then he moves to a level that to me blows my mind. And he said, according to the power that works in us. Somebody say in me. Hallelujah. Mr. Vine says that this put forth power to be operative, to work. Amen. To work effectively, to work efficiently. Amen. James Swanson said of this book, he said, or this, this phrase of this word, work in us, That means cause to function, to grant the ability, to bring about, here's the sense, to do what something is used for and to perform as expected. God said, listen, I've got power and I put it in you. You're to function in that. You're to work in that. I'm expecting you to be my instrument of power. I'm expecting it not to be some kind of cosmic relationship, but it's a power relationship in you, It is in you. I I don't understand and I don't know the man's name who built the toaster. Anybody know the man's name? Don't Google it. Know the man's name that built the toaster? John Toast. Or John B. Toasted. But here's what we're doing. We take the toaster and try to dry our hair with it. It's not what the creator designed it for. I'm just going gonna, gonna to dry my hair. I know what you're saying. Pastor, you don't have any hair. Me and, me and Austin, you, you and me, buddy. Okay. My point is this. We are built to function as children of God in a certain way. But what we do is we try to function in a different way. That's not according to the Creator's design. So when He filled us with His Holy Spirit, He filled us to be functioning in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're designed to function in the power of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I got two sisters who's got their hands up. I'm going to say it again. You have been filled with the Holy Spirit to function in power, not in fear to function in power you're not not created to do something different you have been filled according to the power it's working in you it's there let it work do your function amen when you see me worship and I know that I should be down I know that I should be fearful let me just tell you it's working in me when you see me getting over what used to have me bound it's work his power is working in me When God saves us, when we are born again of water and the Spirit, let me just clarify what that means. Peter said in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's what Paul was talking about to the church at Ephesus. That's what Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8. Look at this with me, Acts 1 and 8. But ye shall receive, there's that word dunamis, okay, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. We understood from our lesson today that believing is not the same thing as the Holy Ghost infilling. All right, many people tragically mistakes that. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost. is. Can I just stop here and say this? All those that were in the upper room were believers. They were all believers. But they all had to be filled with the Spirit. Everyone. Then he says, it's received power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then look at this. And ye shall be. Let me put it in this language. And you shall be function like you were designed to function you shall function like anybody remember those old those, those, those elders in your life that used to attend this church and we've talked about Raleigh Devers we've talked about different ones that boy they had a prayer life we get a hold of them that's you now that's me now they're already gone on to their reward Fred Gill's already gone on his reward. Marjorie Gill's already gone on to her reward. Oh, how I missed them. But I will tell you this: that's us. But ye shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be. You shall function. I'm function, I want to function like God wants. How do I function? In the fruit of the Spirit. In the fruit of the, I, I just function with love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, amen, uh, 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 temperance, uh, uh, all those things that God said was His fruit. I, I function. I also need to function in, in, this, in the gifts of the Spirit. I want to function, if I have, Brother Chris if I have His Spirit, then I ought to be functioning in the, in, in the area that He wants me to. I want to function like that because He's able. Somebody say He's able. He is able. I want to read you just a few more verses. I'm going to preach a few few more minutes. Amen. And then we'll continue to preach a few more minutes. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. And he said unto me, speaking, Paul said the Lord was speaking to him. And the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. He He fills his believers with his power. And we don't deserve it. We're weak, anemic vessels. That's why the world is in such a mess today. That's why the world is so broken today. Is because we are are so imperfect. And Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, For when I am weak, then am I strong. We want to bypass all of our problems, all of our issues, all of our isms and schisms and relationship issues. We want to bypass that. And God said, no, I want to show you how to function in my power while you're going through it. I want to show you how to function. I want to function in the power of His Spirit. One of the things that, that the Apostle Peter said on the day of Pentecost would happen is found in 2 and 16 of the book of Acts. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days. You believe we're in the last days? God said, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That means be both prophetically and the utterance of Jesus Christ. Prophesying speaks of the testimony of Jesus Christ, and then he says, "And your sons and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and upon my handmaids will I pour out in those lays of my spirit, and they shall prophesy." What is he saying? They're going to function like I designed them to function. They're going to function. God is still able. God is still able. God is still able. He's still able to bless us. He's still able to feel us. Hallelujah. The writer of Malachi said that the Lord said, I am the Lord and I change not. The same God of creation is the same God of redemption and can save you today. I'm going to just go through some scriptures beginning at Psalm 59 and 9. Hang with me, Sister Shelley. We'll be throwing these up just one right after another. Psalm 59 and 9. Because of his strength will I wait upon thee, for God is my defense. Because of his strength will I wait upon thee. Say that with me. Because of his strength will I wait on thee. God is my defense. He's got my back. He's got my front. He's got my sides. He's all over me. He's around me. Amen. His strength. In Psalm 62 and 7, In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. He's still able. And then in verse 11 of that same chapter, God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this. That power belongeth unto God power belongeth unto God hallelujah in Nahum 1 and 3 the Lord is slow to anger oh praise be to God and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked of the Lord have his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet amen God has great power and he'll move in your situation in Exodus 15 and 6 thy right hand O Lord the strength that's what the right hand means authority is become glorious in power thy right hand O Lord hath dashed in pieces the enemy and then in Jeremiah 32 and 27 behold I am the Lord the God of all flesh is there anything too hard for me? I said earlier ask ask is there any question too hard for God? Is there any person you're praying for too hard for God? Is any situation too hard for God? Is any problem too hard for God? He's able. He's able. I just need to learn to function. If I'll function in His, in His, In His Word, if I'll function in obedience and I follow His Word, I have the promise. He's going to fill me with His Spirit. And I have the promise that that Spirit's going to to empower me to function properly like I should. I've come to remind you tonight, God's still able. I don't care what you're going through. God's still able. Stand with me, please. Somebody said to me the other day, I asked them how they're doing. And they said, well, he's never failed me yet. I said, why don't you just take that last word off? Just take that last word off. I learned that from Bishop. He's never failed me, period. I've failed him many times in different ways. But he's always been, Brother Keith, right there where I needed him. He's always been there. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Now, our Lord is not some kind of supernatural Santa Claus. It's just going to do things for you so you can enjoy your, your party. But he wants your life. He wants your soul. He wants you to be redeemed by the power of the cross. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. our ministry.